All right, if you've got your Bibles, or assuming you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, go down to verse 4. And let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word. We will read this, uh, and then we will dive into our obedience uh, to the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And all God's people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So we just finished, finished looking at the, uh, the fear of the Lord, but the, the reason we dove so deep into the fear of the Lord was, was primarily... Uh, because we want to know how to be delivered from evil. It came, we went into the look at fear of the Lord because we wanted to understand when Christ tells us to pray to be delivered from evil, how does that happen? And, and part of being delivered from evil was fighting in a way that pleases the one who enlisted us, as we saw in 2 Timothy 2.4. So as we went from the Lord's Prayer, we dove into 2 Timothy 2.4, and from there we dove in to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. So we started looking at what does the Lord tell us is pleasing Him? Not us sitting around and saying, hey, what do you think pleases the Lord? Hey, how about you? What do you think God really likes? But God in His grace and kindness has told us a lot of things that are pleasing to Him, and a lot of the things we think are pleasing to Him are not actually mentioned in Scripture. Uh, but He does tell us a lot, and so we went looking at the things that please the Lord, uh, that Christ tells us these are the things that are pleasing to Him, that you and I uh, in Christ have been made pleasing to the Lord as we looked at last week, as Zachary preached about last week. And, uh, and with that, uh, one of the great things is through Christ's genuine work in us, we can now live lives that are also pleasing to the Lord because of the work of Christ. And so what what pleases the Lord? And well, we saw we, we don't get all tangled up in civilian uh, affairs in normal life. We remember we are ever and always soldiers. If you want to fight well, one of the things you have to remember is it pleases the Lord uh, when you remember you are ever and always as soldiers. You know, just going back to normal life. We are constantly in a spiritual battle. If you remember, it's not that we sometimes wrestle against flesh and blood and every once in a while against spiritual forces. The Lord says you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's always spiritual force. So having that mindset. Uh, so we saw that uh, we don't get caught up in civilian affairs. We don't get caught up in normal life. We, we are not man pleasers. Remember that was another thing that we looked at. What pleases the Lord? What pleases the Lord is when you and I are not seeking to please man. Uh, so we started looking at how the Bible tells us not to be man pleasers. That there is a natural temptation to want to please people. Natural because it's pragmatically it works. We know that it's an effective uh, temptation for us if we want to garner friends or if we want to grow a church, but that's not our goal. Our goal chiefly is to and primarily is to please the Lord. If we're going to fight against spiritual warfare well, we have to remember we are not man-pleasers. We are God-pleasers. That's what we strive uh, to do. But those things were things we shouldn't be doing, right? Those are things if you want to fight well, you don't do this. If you want to please the Lord... These are things that are not pleasing to the Lord. So what is 
pleasing to the Lord. And that's where we started uh, looking last time. What do we do? Uh, the first text we saw was Psalm 147.11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who for- fear Him. So Psalm uh, 147 verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. And so then we started looking at, okay, if that's what pleases the Lord, if you want to be a good soldier, you have to be a soldier in this spiritual warfare fight in a way that tries to please the one who made you a soldier. So if fearing Him is what pleases Him, we then wanted to see, well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? And then how do we do it? And, and if we're not doing it well, how do we grow it? How do we do it more? Uh, because fearing the Lord is an essential part of the Scriptures. An essential thing that the Bible assumes you're going to know uh, what it's about. And specifically, the fear of the Lord is an essential means for us to be delivered from evil. If you are going to, uh, are going to handle spiritual warfare well, it is going to be when we, or because we, fear the Lord. You're not going to handle your spiritual battles well that are coming against you if you do not fear uh, the Lord. Uh, so we fear the Lord. We fear the Lord ultimately because it pleases Him. So why did we look at the fear of the Lord? Because the Lord says it pleases Him uh, when we uh, fear Him. And so we saw pleasing the Lord where we are uh, amazed, uh, where we have faith in God because we're amazed by His glory and His holiness. That's one of the things. So if we're going to fight well, we got to please the Lord. What pleases the Lord when we fear Him? What is the fear of the Lord? None of us knew. None of us knew. Uh, and so, and I, I interviewed you. You didn't know. I didn't know. We didn't know. That's okay. Now we know. Now we've got a lot of knowledge. If, you, if you've left after that and you don't know what the fear of the Lord is, that's on you. Uh, and we can start back from the beginning. Uh, so we know what the fear of the Lord is now. We know that pleases Him. But that's not all that the Lord says pleases Him. There are other things that the Lord says, hey, this pleases me. And we know that if we're going to handle spiritual warfare well, we have to do what pleases Him. So what does the one who enlisted us, who made us believers, who redeemed us, who who, who turned our hearts, made us soldiers of Him, brought us out of the kingdom of darkness, and put us in His kingdom, what does that one desire from us? What pleases Him? And He gives us more. Today, what we're going to see, uh, today uh, and next week and next week, and maybe the week after, but at least those, at least those, we're going to see what pleases the one who enlisted us, what pleases our commander in this spiritual fight, when we love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. Now, those two things being together is probably not surprising to you. You've, you've probably heard them. They are, uh, we're told, the, the backbone of the entirety of the law of God. In fact, if you wanted to say, I don't need to read the Old Testament, I already know, love God, love one another, I would say, you, you get it, but you probably should keep reading. Uh, you, yeah, you get the gist, uh, but it is useful to, now that you know the summer, I, I've, got this, I've got the cliff notes, Jesus gave me the cliff notes, right? Uh, and that's right, that the Lord does tell us, Jesus does say, this sums up the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up the law, it sums up the prophets, uh, essentially saying this sums up the Bible. This sums up the scriptures that we have. And I would say that it still sums up the message uh, of the scriptures. Of course, the linchpin to doing those things uh, has always been and will always be the gospel, uh, that it is the the good news of, of Christ uh, and his perfect obedience to all those things, his perfect love of the Father, uh, his perfect love of God, his perfect love of, of his neighbor, that then enables uh, enabled the Jews, and still is the thing that enables us to, to also do these things in faith. But these things have been the, the linchpin of Scripture for a while. And so uh, let's look at this idea that if we want to please the Lord, you want, so if you want to fight well in your spiritual battles, you need to fear the Lord, you need to love Him, 
You need to love one another. You need to love him and love one another. That's what we're going to look at this. So we already know. If you want to fight well, you want to be a good soldier, you want to handle spiritual warfare well, you want to handle the battles that come your way well, you've got to fear the Lord. But next, you have to love the Lord your God and you have to love one another. So let's turn to Micah chapter 6. Because in Micah chapter 6, we're going to see both of these things tied together. We're going to see these in one place. So what we're going to do is we're going to see these a couple times in one place, and then we're going to break them up and see uh, where the Lord tells us that, uh, that loving Him is pleasing to Him. There will be multiple passages that talk about that, and the multiple passages where He talks about loving one another is pleasing to Him. But we're going to start out where they're combined, uh, in an area where they're brought together, these two ideas of loving God and, and loving one another. Micah 6, go down to verse 7. We're going to see about what pleases the Lord. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So what is pleasing to God? What is pleasing to the one who enlisted you? He says, not simply sacrificing more and more. And, and, and notice the, the progression of sacrifice there in verse 6. It's a progression of sacrifice. It starts out thousands of rams and then tens of thousands of rivers uh, of oil and then culminates with the, with the ultimate sacrifice, even my firstborn. So there's this progression of sacrifice. So you give more and more. The, the sacrifice he wants, the, the, the service that is pleasing to the one who enlisted you, isn't, isn't sacrifice or service uh, given through the life of, of someone or, or something else. That's not how you please the Lord. is isn't just giving more and more of someone or something else, something and then culminating in someone else. This is important because, because many religions are driven by a desire to please their Lord. And, and without going into to how, how all the pagan religions from uh, Islam to that, you know, lady wearing crystals and blue hair, how it's, all, how it's all really, you know, from the same sort of root, all the same, you know, demonic offshoots. Uh, they all desire to please a Lord, uh, and they weirdly, they weirdly do it in, in very similar ways. Uh, all of them normally a, a, a mocking or, or, or pantomiming of, of, of true worship. It's, the, the pagan religion of this world is very similar to, to Satanism. Satanism is just sort of intentionally doing it with its upside-down crosses and, and stuff like that. And, and we, can do, we, can do, we can do a deep dive into that sometime. If you wanted to talk about how all pagan religions are the same, it's like the pagan Gilgamesh epic sort of thing that we've got going on that shows us that, that, that demons are real all across the globe and have the same desire for worship. But, but one, one, common, uh, one common demon nominator uh, between all these religions is that is that giving up your children is like the ultimate thing to do. And giving them up quite literally. Quite, quite literally. We're not, we're not talking about, you know, a wave offering of a child. Here is, you know, or like baby dedications. I dedicate, like this is, they're, they're talking about actually dedicate, giving your child to Lord. Killing your child to make God happy is something prominent in pagan religions all over the globe and, and throughout time. Doing those, and doing those things to please their God. So that he'll bring rain, or that he'll grow their family, 
or that he'll bless their crops or so that just he'll be happy and then give you a good happy afterlife. And again, that's been true, true across the globe. And, and the world is filled with people uh, who have done that, who have done these things, who thought that by sacrificing more, they would be pleasing to the Lord. Sacrificing more of something or someone else. But these thoughts for us of trying to please God, these thoughts that are not new, the Lord tells us this is not what pleases Him. The things you see the pagans doing is not what, is not what pleases me. This is not where pleasing the Lord comes from. A sacrifice, not of, he, he, what He wants is a sacrifice, not of, of, of something or, or someone. What He wants is a sacrifice of yourself. This is what He's told you what He wants from you. And it's not more rams. And it's not more oil. And it's not your kid. He's told you what to do. And what does he require of you? What is it that pleases him? And he gives them three things. Uh, the first one kind of, I think, relates to, to, to loving both, loving your neighbor and your God. Uh, then he gives us one about uh, loving our neighbor and then one about loving the Lord. Uh, so what pleases the Lord? Look at, this, look at those three things he gives us there um, in, in verse 8. He's told you, man, oh man, what is good. Uh, uh, first thing, what pleases the Lord? When we do justice. When we do justice. And, and if you want to understand what justice is, justice is like righteousness but done toward others. Justice is doing the right thing, which is the word righteousness. If you see the word righteousness or the word just, they're going to come from the same Hebrew, the same Greek root, so it's the same word. Uh, but justice is doing that right thing towards someone else. Doing the right thing toward others is justice. That pleases the Lord. So when you're doing what the Lord, this is why I say it's loving God and loving your neighbor. When you're doing what the Lord says you should do to other people, that is justice. So when you're doing the right thing, the righteous thing, to others, the just thing that is, that is justice. So there's both a love for God and a love for neighbor in that. But it's not just when you do justice. He says when we love kindness. I actually prefer the translation uh, faithfulness or, or steadfast love because it's a, it's a word you're going to see repeated more often translated that way sometimes in your Bibles. Uh, hesed, the, when we can talk about that word and uh, just the deep, rich uh, meaning of that word throughout Scripture. But it pleases the Lord here, he says, when we love being faithful. When we love having a love that is steadfast. And what else pleases the Lord, does, does Micah tell us? Uh, when we walk humbly with our God. When we are uh, oriented toward God, not in a, in a haughty way, but in a humble way. So if you, want to, if you want to please the Lord, if you want to fight well, He's told you, Lord, you, want to, you want God to be pleased? So when you go out into this world, God is pleased with you and you're not going out and doing these actions saying, is God mad at me? Is that why this is happening to me? What do I do here? How do I, how, do I, how do I please you, God? This is how you live. Love God, love your neighbor. And, and loving God and loving your neighbor, uh, those are not just mere noble gestures, okay? Loving God and loving your neighbor are combat maneuvers in spiritual warfare. When you love God, when you walk humbly with Him, and when you love others, when you love steadfast love, you, you love faith, and when you combine them and do justice, you, are, you in your life are an image of the one true God and His glory and holiness walking the earth and doing His will on the earth. And Satan hates it. He hates it. All of those things that we mentioned, all of the things from uh, justice and kindness and, uh, and being humble, the, the, Satan hates it. Those are the things he always tries to tempt believers to not do. 
Those are things he despises. Things he does the exact opposite to them. So if you do them, when you and I commit to do them because we want to be a good image bearer of the Lord God, we are committing an act of war. An act of war against the enemy of God and we are pleasing the one who made you a soldier with that purpose, who created you and redeemed you for His glory that glorifies Him when you do these things. And so as we continue to look in Scripture, we're going to see those two ideas. Love God. Love one another. We see them repeated over and over. So we're going to start looking at other places that stress what pleases the Lord. And it's not surprising when we're going to look at these passages that say, this is what pleases God. You're going to see those two ideas. It's going to either fall into the category of loving God, or it's going to fall into the category of loving one another. Which makes sense. I mean, if you think about the Ten Commandments, you think about everything. It makes sense that every commandment of what pleases the Lord would fall into one of those two, uh, two things. So let's start doing that. Let's look at places where the Lord says it pleases Him when you love Him with everything that you have. Okay, so we're going into this spiritual battle. How do we fight well? You've got to love God with everything you have. You want, you want to handle spiritual, you want to handle temptation well in your life? You've got to make sure you're loving God with everything that you've got. Everything. That pleases the Lord. The Lord says, if you want to, if you, if you want to be a good soldier, you, you fight in a way that pleases Him. He said, this is what pleases me. So, so, so let, let's see this. Let's, let's, begin, let's begin with loving God, because you said that's the greatest commandment. So let's begin with, let's begin with that one. Uh, loving God and, and, and the actions of love toward Him uh, that He says uh, are pleasing. And again, we can look at, look at several places uh, where loving God, uh, uh, walking humbly toward Him, whatever, is, is pleasing to the Lord, which again is what a, a soldier will want to do and what the devil will try to, to get you not to do. So what does God say is pleasing to him that we could fit under this category of, of loving God? Um, so in terms of loving God, the uh, thing that is pleasing to, to the Lord is when you are his people and you are humble. When you are his and you are humble. Okay? Be his and be humble. So what does it mean to love God? It means to be his and his alone. You are his people, he is your God, and you are humble in that arrangement. Look at Psalm 149, verse 4. Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So, who does the Lord take pleasure in? God takes pleasure in His people. So, if you want to be pleasing to the Lord, then you need to be his people. Now, what does it mean to be His people? Now, the, the Old Testament actually, again, fleshes this out a lot, and, and maybe we could look into it sometime, but I do not want to jump, get out of one rabbit hole and jump right back into another. Uh, if you would like, if you want to talk about being God's people, uh, out of all the people, on, uh, uh, being God's people, out of all the people in the world, that is one huge subject in the Old Testament. Uh, and we, we could talk about it. You want to go there? Let me know, and we can go there. All right? Not here. We can go there at the fellowship tables uh, or in phone calls, not through text messages. Any of you who know me, it's not going to be through text messages. Uh, but either way, I'm going to go there. You can either join or not. Uh, but if you want to see that, that great call of, of, of being his people, it's all over, it's, it's all over the Old Testament. But, but to be his people, just to generalize it and, and, and simplify it as easy as we can, to be his people is to be holy to the Lord, to say that you are his people and no one else. It is to be holy to the Lord, be separated to the Lord. You're his people, and you're not anyone. You're set apart for him. 
Now, this is done primarily, chiefly, and inaugurally by God, right? The Lord says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. He's talking here about the change that God is going to work in their hearts through the gospel. The good news, and that is the means by which God infires our hearts for him. No longer do we belong to our old father. No longer are we in his kingdom. We belong to the Lord. He is our God, and we are his people. So, uh, chiefly, primarily, the first part of that is the Lord makes us his uh, his people. But, but notice, in this verse, what characteristic, so in Psalm 149, what characteristic describes the people of God? What attitude, among all the attitudes you can pick out to, de- to define His people, what attitude is placed parallel with being His people? The humble. Humility. He says, the Lord takes pleasure in His people. And with good Hebrew parallelism, it then tells us who His people are. He adorns the humble with salvation. And to be the people of the Lord is to be humble. You cannot be the people of the Lord and be proud. Because that is to be of another father who is very proud. His people, God's people, are by definition a humble people. So God takes pleasure in His people. He is pleased with His people. And He is pleased when His people act like His people. A good soldier is a humble soldier. So if you want to fight well against spiritual forces, you must be humble. And I tell you this, because I have seen so many situations where problems have escalated because of a lack of humility. And instead, pride. And so in pride, they do something and they set afire what was only a spark. If we are not humble, then we will lose any spiritual battle that comes our way. If you're met with temptation and your first response is pride instead of humility, then you will tear down your own house with your own hands. A good soldier is a humble soldier. You want to handle temptation. When demonic influence comes your way, when you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but when you wrestle against spiritual forces, which the Lord says is every time you wrestle. So if you're wrestling, you're going, no wonder if this is flesh and blood or spiritual forces. You can go, well, he's told you. Spiritual forces. So when you're dealing with temptations and struggles, if you go into that not humble, you will lose. And... What type of losing are we talking about? We've seen an example of this, right? The Lord is good in telling us not all the stories, but only the stories we need to know. And sometimes the stories that we need to know are quite interesting stories, whether it's a she-bear devouring people or whatever. Uh, We get very interesting stories, and one of the ones related to this is we've seen what happens when people go into spiritual warfare with pride on their side. We see this in Acts chapter 19, right? This... Story of the sons of Sceva, right? Oh, what a great example of you go into spiritual warfare with pride and what's going to happen? Well, let's see anecdotally what happens when we go into spiritual battle and we try to take on the forces of darkness and evil with uh, pride or out of pride. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. We'll start there. 
God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So, so Paul, is, I mean, Paul is taking it to the evil spirits here. Uh, again, the, the, the strong man has been bound, the kingdom is here, and it is whipping tail. Verse 13, some of the Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. I always feel like, like the witch uh, when, the, when the ghost of Elijah actually shows up and he's like, Ugh, or she's like, Ugh. Uh, one time the, the spiritual, uh, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, which is just one of my favorite verses in Scripture. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So, so these sons of Sceva, in, in their pride, go, hey, look at what Paul's doing. And Paul's doing it like he's doing it from afar. Paul has so much power. You know, these are, these are, these are the people that, that are uh, eventually going to become, you know, your Oral Roberts of the world, right? They're going to say, hey, we can do this through the mail. Uh, and they're like, we can, send, we can send handkerchiefs. And even handkerchiefs touched by us might be, let's start using that in the name of Jesus thing and see if it works. And so they come and they try to do this same thing. They think, we can do that, but what is their problem? They can use Jesus' name, but they are not His people. And so they are throttled in this spiritual battle. But notice what the result is. Verse 17, When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, after they laughed, now it says, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who'd practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So when the, the news of this story gets out, of these, these sons of Sceva thinking in their pride, they can do this, what Paul's doing, we'll just use Jesus' name, like some sort, of, some sort of token. When the news of that story gets out, everyone is what? Everyone is humbled and God is glorified. Everyone is humbled and God is glorified. And so you get confession, you get repentance. And, when, and, and what happens? The word of the Lord spreads widely and grows in power. The kingdom advances. Victory over the evil one, the footstooling of the very enemies they were trying to go against, and, and that footstooling of the enemies continues. So God is, God is pleased with, with humble soldiers, and humble soldiers are effective soldiers. Effective especially in the battle to be delivered, and notice the second half of that, and to deliver others from evil. Because their humility, you want to be a good soldier, their humility, and, and this is what's happening when we ask to be delivered from evil, you want to be a good soldier, your desire isn't just for you to be delivered from evil. 
If you desire for your neighbors to be delivered from evil, because that's what we're going to see. You're going to love God and love your neighbors as well. You desire for your neighbors to be delivered from evil. What did the Lord use? The Lord humbled His people so they confessed their sin and they repented and the, the Word of God grew and spread. Spread widely and grew in power in this way because of the humility that fell on the people when they saw what happened when we handle the spiritual forces in pride and not as his people. So good soldiers, they want to please the Lord, the things that are pleasing the Lord, love him and love your neighbor. A good soldier loves his God and he loves his neighbor. A good soldier is a humble soldier. A good soldier is a humble man. And that's just the first part of loving God. We're getting to a, a second one uh, 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 next week, but I want to, to draw out some, some uses uh, from these first two things. But if you, want to, if you want to fight well against sin and temptation, you want to, to, to not, just, not just keep from being overtaken, but actually push back against the enemy, this is what you must be. And again, I've told you, the job of the Christian is not just, to, is not just to, to do a defensive battle. We're not in a defensive, hold the ground uh, uh, fashion or, or strategy. Our desire is to push against the gates of hell by living for God and for His glory. If you want to do that, if you want to not just think, oh, I don't want to lose intimidation. I don't want to lose these spiritual battles. If you want to win them. If you want the, the way, if you want, it is in this way that the Word of God spreads and grows in power. This is what we must be. We've got to love God. We've got to love, we've got to love God with everything that we have. And we've got to love our neighbors more than ourselves. And in loving God, what will that look like? We are His and His alone, and we are humble. It's easy. Zach loves it when I, when I do an acrostic, right? Or an alliteration. We are his and we are humble. But this one works, Zach. This one works. We are his and we are humble. You want to love the Lord God and fight well? You be his and his alone. And you be, you be humble. Now the good thing is, thanks be to God that in Christ, that is what you are now free to be. It is what you he has made you. He has made you His. And if the reality that He has made you His does not humble you, then go back to, to point A, right? That He has made you His. And that will humble you. A humble soldier fights well. You are His and you are humble. This is, this is again, this is what we have been made to be. Even, even, even more joyously, it's what we've been enslaved to be. This is what the Lord will work in us. So let's talk about, let's talk about doing these things. Let's talk about being pleasing to the Lord and, and how to grow. Let's put some uses to this so that our, our, our sermon isn't useless. If you, if, if you, if you want to, to survive in the wars that you're facing, in the temptations that are come your way, kids, you, temptations that are come your way, battles that you face, Honoring your parents, uh, not living like the world, young parents, the battles that you face, raising children well, uh, loving each other in that very hard initial battle of loving children well, the time that it takes and what that takes from you, married couples, all whatever we if you want to handle whatever struggles come your way well, you must love God and you must love others. 
we're, we're wanting to, as a church, evaluate our readiness uh, for battle, but, but we can't, you know, it's not like we can bring out some sort of spiritual defense spending uh, and count our, our bombs and our bullets here, all right? You know, uh, so Jacob's bringing this much in terms of spiritual battle, Ralph's bringing this much, Zachary, okay, Zach's got a lot, uh, and then, you know, it's not, it's not what we can do and go, okay, look, we're prepared. We can't do that, but what we can do is actually more simple than that. Our battle plan is simple. Ask yourself, if you want to know, are you prepared, are you ready for spiritual warfare? Just ask yourself, do you love God with all that you have? Do you love Him with all that you are? Every fiber of your being, every area of who you are. And do you love your neighbor more than you love yourself? You know what? You can know the answer to those things. You can ask that and know that that is not going to be some hidden prayer. They are, it is, this is God's revealed will for you and for your life so that you might do them, both you and your children, forever. Often when we get this and we look at, oh, I need to love God and I need to love my neighbors, we can, we can be so ephemeral or, or pietistic that we think, well, I can never know if I'm actually doing that. No, look at your life, Christian. Don't let yourself out of this obligation. By saying, well, I really need to consider that. Just ask the Lord and look. You will know. Do you love God with all that you are? Ask yourself that now. If you're not sure, well, there's your answer. What makes you not sure? Is it an area of your life? Many times we're not sure because we simply haven't looked. I mean, if we're talking about, if we're talking about battle here, it means it's as if we haven't been checking our weapon. Do you want to win the fight that you're in right now? Love the Lord God with all that you have. I, I, whatever, like we'd go and we could segment it and say, well, this person's dealing with this and, and this person, and you can have a, a child that's struggling with this and you can have an older person that's struggling with this and then people in the middle struggling with very different things. But if you want to win, in all of those groups, if they want to win the fight that they're in now, what do they need to do? They need to love the Lord their God with all that they are. That's the first step. And if we go into talking about all the ways to handle a situation and a struggle and whatever, and we don't get down to the fact, hey, what is your love with the Lord like? Are you loving God with everything that you have? Or are you just sort of piecemeal loving Him? A halfway love. Listen, maybe Satan is trying to, maybe Satan is trying to tear down your marriage. Maybe he's trying to tear you down. Maybe he's created feelings for, where you resent your parents. Or maybe he's created feelings in your children where you, where you resent a, a, a parent. Maybe he's coming after your self-control. Maybe he's going against your tongue. Maybe he's getting you to gossip or complain, to, to, to grumble, and, and not just to you, but to grumble to others. Do you want to be his tool? Or do you want to be a weapon used to crush his head? then love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, physically, everything directed in love toward Him. 
Can you say that about your life? I mean, when the Lord gave that in the Old Testament, repeated it several times, and when Christ repeated it in the New Testament, those categories aren't just made up, and they're not just things that we go, oh, this is just sort of blanket things. I mean, think about your life. There's every aspect of your life, heart, soul, mind, strength. Do all of those bits of you serve Him? Your emotions. Do your emotions serve the Lord? Or are you serving your emotions? Are you driven by your emotional situation? And when your emotions go one way, you're just pulled with it. Or you do as Christ say, you take everything captive, every thought captive, for obedience to Him. Do you serve Him? Do your emotions serve Him? Does your heart serve Him? Do you love Him with all of your heart? Do you love Him from your very essence, from your soul at a soul level? Is is serving Him and and living for Him and and fighting for Him? Is it the driving passion of your existence? If someone were to say, this is is His, at His soul, He loves the Lord God. Could anybody say that? Could you say that about yourself? That down to my very soul, this is what drives me. My love for the Lord. Does your mind love Him? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your mind? Think about how you use your intellect. Do you use your intellect in service to Him? And in love for Him? Think, of, think, of, think, think input and output, right? Your, your, your brain only has so much space to take up so much information. Are you making sure that the things you take in, 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 that, in, that, in that, 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 that tiny space that you have to store information, how much of that limited intellect that you have are you filling up that, that, that defined space? How much are you filling up with things about Him? Is your intellect given in love to the Lord. Uh, the input and, and output. Think about, think about output. The Lord has given you a brain and something that, that, that your brain is really good at. And everyone's going to say, well, that's not math. Right? Uh, but there's something you are really good at. And, and probably that's your vocation. If you've had any direction in life, it's probably been the thing that you're really good at. It's not the thing that you do regularly. How are you using that intellectual output in love for the Lord? How is your mind being used to show your love for Him? When you do those things, it, it pleases the Lord. When you, I mean, I, lo- I love history podcasts. I love history podcasts. And I know who else of you loves history podcasts. So I will text you and ask for good ones. Like your dealers trying to give me some, hey, hey man, I need a history podcast. I just finished one on Napoleon. Uh, you got, got anything else good? Uh, man, I love them. But when, 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 you, when I... Or we take in a podcast. We had a history podcast. When we take in a history podcast, not just because we love history, but in order to understand and with an intentional lens to understand the world that God has made and how He has worked in it and how His image bearers interact and the story that He is telling in that, that pleases God. But I have to make sure I'm doing it and using my intellect, not just in a benign sort of way, but using it out of a love for Him. So I'm loving these history podcasts out of, as a, out of a love for the Lord and seeing this is the world that my God has made and this is what He has done in it. And that pleases Him. And it actually equips us for battle. We, we've seen the results of Christians who abdicate the intellectual 
who either do nothing with their minds or think that the intellectual is a neutral space. There is no neutral space. For a soldier of Christ, even our intellects, even our minds must be used in service to Him. Everything we take in and everything it puts out must come in and out, born from a love of God. What about your strength? Do you love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your might? Look, if, if intellect is, is handed over, I mean, for the Christian, the physical is just altogether ignored, typically. And we see, do you, do you, know, why the, do you, know, why the, you know why the lost world harp, like what do they harp on? What do they harp on about the verses we don't preach about? What do they harp on? When we preach on homosexuality, and what do they always say? Well, what about the verses on what? You know what I hear all the time? What about the verses on gluttony? You watch any sort of, you watch any sort of apologetic podcast or inter- interact with the lost in any sort of way, which I encourage you to do, not just in your mind, but in real life. Uh, what you're going to hear is, well, what about all the verses on, on gluttony? And do you know what? Do you know why they do that? Because they see something that we ignore, which is that we tend to be fat. We tend to be fat, which means we, are live, we live a gluttonous lifestyle. And they can see it. We do not use our physical in service to Him. I mean, we, not only do we tend to be fat, we tend to have fat preachers. Right? Preachers tend to be the fattest among us, often. Because we've acted as if our physical health is in no way a marker of our obedience to God. When it always has been, when he's always said, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your, with all your strength, with all your might, they see our hypocrisy and, and, and so must we. Our might is to be used for the Lord and some of us have no might. Or if we had to use our physical, our physical would last about 30 seconds and then we need to sit down for a while. Take a good deep breath, maybe get some oxygen. Instead, our physical bodies, instead of being used for him, our physical bodies are often a hindrance to serving the Lord. If you went out and tried to evangelize today in this weather, you'd be able to last just a, just a minute. Why? Because we have not been disciplined in loving the Lord our God with all of our strength and our might. We haven't seen our physical bodies as need to be given and loved him. He has given us these physical bodies and they're meant to be used for him. Because we haven't been disciplined in our diets and we've been sluggard in our vocations, we often have no strength to give to the Lord. Men, the, the Lord, the Lord, the Bible, the Bible, the Lord warns us about the dangers of giving up your strength. But some of us have given up our strength through a sedentary lifestyle. We don't need the adulterous woman to take it. We don't have any strength to give anyway. We're not prepared. We're not prepared to defend our families. We're not prepared to defend the gospel. We're not prepared to do a lot of things for the Lord that we could do if our bodies were given to serve Him. We need to think about our bodies as tools, tools meant to serve the Lord. If the Lord didn't care about your might and your strength, if the physical didn't matter to the Lord, He wouldn't have put it in the list. But He did. And I don't think He's just being metaphorical. If we are to love the Lord the right way, we must serve the Lord with our physical strength. If you don't have any physical strength, start getting it. Figure out, if you're going, I don't have any physical strength, get it. If you don't have any might to give to the Lord, if, you, if your body, if you, if you do not have a body who can do things for the Lord because of your, again, because of your diet or your sedentary lifestyle, just fix those things. If you want to know things that you can do, talk to Ralph. 
I mean, he's going to have a bunch of things that you can do to have a more healthy lifestyle. A healthy lifestyle because our bodies are important. And they're to be used for God. And there might be things that we're doing that keep us from being able to serve the Lord with all that we have because we've been doing things we shouldn't have been doing. And often because our culture taught us to do these things, taught us to do these things since we were children, we don't have to keep doing them. We're going to make sure we love the Lord our God with all of our strength. If you do have strength, how are you using it for Him? So love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Let me give you some hope on these. The great hope of Scripture is that when the Lord says, I want you to do these things, and you're looking at that, and you might say, okay, I've got two out of the four, but I need, to, or maybe I've got one out of the four, or maybe I've got four, whatever it is. God promises to help His people not lose this battle. Listen to, listen to Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. If you, if you read that and you get discouraged, you look at all the areas and you go, I'm not loving the Lord like I should. Where should what should be the first thing we turn to? Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. You want some encouragement? You feel like you're not loving the Lord like you should? You feel like you're not prepared because there are areas in your life that you have not thought at all about serving Him with? It's not that you're not serving Him with Him. It's that you've never even thought about serving Him with them. And so you're, you, you want to start serving Him and loving Him with those areas. Cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. Ask for His help in doing this. Say, you want, to, you want to love Him with all your heart. You want to love Him with all your soul. I want to love you with all my mind. Help me to see how I can do that. I want to love you with all my strength. Show me how I can do that and how I can serve you in that way. Cry out to Him. Remind Him of His promise here. Did he promise that he would circumcise our hearts and the hearts of our offspring so that they love the Lord your God with all our heart and with all our soul? Remind him of his promise and then rest in faith that he will always keep his word. That he will always keep that promise. I will do this in you. And rest in faith, not only that, that he always keeps his word, but that he has in Christ. In Christ, you have loved God perfectly and used every ounce of heart, soul, mind, and strength in service to Him. In Christ, that's true. That's true of you in Christ. That has been done for you. That is yours in Him. And now, that same Christ who was all those things for you is now working that love in you and using your heart, soul, mind, and strength to spread His kingdom. Have that faith, have that confidence that rests in what Christ has done and is doing. If you want to survive in this war against spiritual forces, you must love God, you must love others, and that means you must humble yourself. So lastly, I want to end with this humility. A good soldier loves himself least. Now, that doesn't mean a good soldier doesn't love himself. And we're going to see that you still love yourself. This is one of the things that's going to help your marriage, right? No one hates his own body, but but loves himself, right? So we're not going to say you don't love yourselves. But we love ourselves least. One of Satan's chief temptations is to raise in you the importance of yourself. And, And our world is filled with this notion that you must do what's best for you. Put yourself first. How many times do you see it? You put, you gotta, hey, you've got to put yourself first. And I always want to say, look, 
If you ever want to know who to instantly block in your friend list, it's that person who made that comment right there. Uh, you got to put yourself first. That person is literally the devil. Uh, you need to block them because what they're doing is put yourself first. They are saying basically others be damned. Who cares about them? You've got to put, and what they're actually saying, what actually happens is we're tempted to put ourselves first, uh, not even just against others, even at the cost of disobedience to God. You've got to do what's good for you. And I have seen Christians struggle with this temptation. And I want to go, where did this come from? How is this spread where I'm talking to Christians and they're like, and they will say that Christians that, that, that I know and that I've seen them and they'll go, but God will forgive me, right? And their idea is that, but I know I'm about to disobey, but I got to do what's good for me. Where does that temptation come from? It comes straight from the bowels of hell, from Hades itself. Everything in our world is taught to us that it has to be my way. My, what, do, what do people say? My way, we've even got a, a jingle for it, right? My way or the highway, buddy. It's a catchphrase that we have about how important we must be for ourselves. Everything's got to be our way. Everything, we judge everything based on how they, they and it make us feel. Friends, family, churches, everything's about us. No, no wonder, no wonder that such attitudes are a ripe field for Satan's seeds. If you have a high view of yourself, of you, your importance, such as you worry and think about you more than you do God or others, then you can expect more temptation to come your way. And you can expect that temptation to find fertile soil to grow its terrish weeds. Satan, Satan will not stop until he has brought you low, not because he wants you to be humble, but because he hates image bearers of God. And if he cannot bring God low, he can bring low his image. And that's what's so ironic about not being humble, is when we lift up our view of ourselves, we're actually lowering our true value. When we think our great value is us, and not our great value being that we get to be an image bearer of the Lord God. In our pride, we are devaluing ourselves. So Christian, you must humble yourself. And a good measurement for humility is, do I love God with all that I have? Do I love others more than myself? Those are the two greatest commandments encapsulating the Christian life since the garden and will be the state of our heart when the battles against evil are completely over. But until that time, right now the Lord is using us as His boot. And we must be ready to fight well. So love God, love others, and love them both more than yourself. Because they deserve it. Because God demands it. And because it pleases your Lord when you do. Let's pray. Just take a moment and ask the Lord God if you have loved Him, or if you are loving Him with all that you have. Go through those areas. Your heart, your soul, your mind. Your strength. Maybe you don't even have to get into the areas. Maybe you already said, Lord, do I love you with all that I have? And you felt, meh. 
and you knew the temptation, and you knew the struggle, and you knew the area right off the bat. I don't want you to get off of that and start, you know, atomizing things to take away what you clearly know to be true and and the area that you're not giving to the Lord. If, If you knew right off the bat that you're not loving Him with all that you have, then I can bet you are probably struggling with something that feels like you are losing at. And the reason you feel you're losing at it is because you are not fighting well. Because you are not fighting in a way that pleases the one who enlisted you. Because it pleases the one who enlisted you when you love him with all that you have. Do you love your neighbor more than yourself? And we'll get, we'll get more into that in the next coming weeks. But think about your love for God. Is there an area that you either refuse to give to the Lord or that you have just not thought of? Maybe you haven't thought about some of them. Maybe you didn't think about intellect. Maybe you didn't think about you know, how to do this with your soul or with your strength. You didn't think how, you're, how you could give your strength to the Lord. Whatever area that it is, cry out to the Father. Say, I want to love you with all that I have. I want to love you with all that I have because I don't want to lose. I don't want to be crushed in this, by this temptation, by this struggle. And in fact, not only do I want to get crushed, I want to push back. I want his head to be crushed under my foot through you. I want you to crush him under my foot. Ask for these things. Know that the Lord has promised to give them to his children and to their children. Cry out to him. And see that he has done this for you in Christ. Rejoice. Let your faith rest in Christ, not in yourself. Get Humble yourself. It's not going to be about you. It's going to be about Him. It's going to be about Christ and what He promises to do in His children. He will not fail. He's not going to fail in you. He's already been successful in the Father's eyes. If you, you're, his righteousness is yours. He has enabled you to live righteously. To live a life you could have never lived. You can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. You can do it. Because Christ is real. And His work in you is real. Ask for Him to show you that and ask for Him to work that in you and promise that you'll give Him all the glory and not yourself. Begin humble and stay humble as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today and Lord, we know we are in this battle and on this side of the battle only because of you. And since you, since you put us over on this side of battle, since you rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, put us in the kingdom of your Son, Father, we want to glorify you. We want to live in a way that, that, that makes much of you. And, uh, and, and we don't want to lose these battles that mar your image in us or in our family or in our marriages. We, we know how important those things are for your name. So it, not just for the comfort of our life and not just because we don't want to think about what our life would look like if, if we failed in these things, Father, but, but for the sake of your name, Father, we don't want to fail. We don't want to lose any battle, battles with our lips or with our minds or whatever, Father. We don't want to lose a single one because we, we, we love you. And we want to be image bearers of you that bring you great glory. So, Father, please help us to do that. Help us to be encouragements uh, to one another to do that. Father, help us to love you with all that we have and all that we are. And humble us, Father. Let us see that we could do and we could not do and had no desire to do any of this without your work in us. You gave us the desire and you gave us the ability. And so, Father, help us to live, to live for your glory, to live in the strength that is ours through Christ. Help us to be what we could never be on our own, but what we are in Christ Jesus. 
And may you soon crush Satan underneath our feet by teaching us to love you with all that we have. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.